All right, good luck. Here we go. Today's daf is daf pay base. Page 82. Nehelegim Masech Zadar. We're going to pick up again from the bottom of pay Aleph Amr Beis. We're going to start from Bo'i Minei Rava Meirav Nachman. Two lines from the bottom of the Amr. All right, we all got the place. Let's get going. Quick introduction. We had a machlekes in our Mishnah about what's considered inoy nefesh. A woman who makes a vow that has to do with inoy nefesh, that has to do with afflicting herself. So we know that the husband's allowed to remove the vow. That vow that you remove because of inoy nefesh is gone. It's nullified. It's out of here. A husband, we learned in the Gemara, can also remove a vow that's a davar beinolaveina, something that gets in the way of their relationship. Now, when it's a davar beinolaveina and a husband removes the vow, it's not completely gone. It's gone as far as their personal relationship is concerned. The moment their relationship is not concerning anymore, so they get divorced, he dies. Whatever she said about herself now kicks in. And she's not allowed to do it. She has to abstain from it. Okay, so again, when she makes a vow that she's afflicting herself with and the husband removes it, the vow is gone forever. If she makes a vow that the husband removes as a davar beinola veina, it just doesn't apply while it is beinola veina, while it's between him and her. But the moment... It's no longer something that's getting in the way of their relationship. She's, she is, the, the vow is in effect. Okay? Fine. That's a practical difference. Now, we learned in our Mishnah, a machlokas, what is considered inoy nefesh? What's considered an afflictive vow that the husband could remove and is completely gone? So the Chachamim said, an example of inoy nefesh, of an afflictive vow, is if she says, I'm not going to take a bath, or I'm not going to make myself up nice. They said, that is inoy nefesh. Rabbi Yaisi says, no, it's not. If she says, I'm not taking a bath, or she says, I'm not putting on makeup, not putting on mascara, that is a dover beino levina. It's not considered like she's afflicting herself. It's something, that's something that's in the way of their relationship. Lamai nafkamina, as we said in our introduction. Difference is, according to the Chachamim, if she says, I'm not going to take a vow, and he removes it, it's gone forever. According to Reb Yaisi, if she takes a vow about, a, I'm not taking a bath, well, the moment they're divorced, she's not allowed to take a bath. Good. Now, what about a case where she makes a vow where she says, I'm forbidden to get any sort of pleasure through having intercourse with my husband. So, Rabbi Yaisi said, that is considered a davar beinoi leveina. You can hear why it would be considered inoi nefesh. Also, right? She's afflicting herself and saying, I'm not going to have any other benefit from relations. But Rabbi Yaisi, this is how we ended off, gave us a psak that by her saying, I'm forbidden to benefit from relations with my husband, 
that is actually a davar beinayla beina, or my nafkamina. According to Rabbi Yaisi, when they get divorced, she cannot remarry somebody else because she's going to be considered, since that vow is now effective, she's considered somebody who's forbidden to ever have relations with another man because it's a davar beinayla beina. No, she can't say it about her husband. She's not, she's not making a general comment. Yes, she is. She, the, Gemara is the Gemara clarified that she can't say, she can't prohibit the benefit to her husband. She can't do that. But she could say, I'm forbidding the benefit of marital relations on myself. I'm forbidding myself to have pleasure from, from uh, marital relations. If she says that, is that considered a broader self-inflictive thing? Or is it Dabar Bina So according to Rabbi it's considered Dabar Bina And if they get divorced, she is now ushered to have relations with anybody else. That's Rabbi by relations. The Chachamim though, the rabbis, we don't know their opinion yet, and that's where our Gemara picks up. Let's go. That was a five-minute introduction. Let's get going. What do the Rabban hold in this scenario? Where she says she's forbidden to have relations, she's forbidden to have pleasure from relations, according to the pin of the Chamim. Do they agree with her basically that it's considered or would they hold that's considered Inu Nefesh? Amalei says back to him, Tinisua. We learn in the Mishnah, this Mishnah is coming up a little later on. She says, I'm forbidding myself to ever have pleasure from having relations with any other man, with, with any Jewish man. So the halacha is, says the Mishnah, the husband has the ability to remove himself from the vow, meaning the vow in essence remains effective, and she's not allowed to have relations with any other Jewish man. But the husband says, he could say, when he hears the vow, okay, but besides for me, I'm letting you keep the vow, uh, forbidding any sort of uh, pleasure, but besides for me. But the bottom line is, she, she remains forbidden to everybody else. Now listen to this. When do we say that she's also everybody else and mother to her husband? By Beinoi Levena. So here we go. If you're going to say that it's considered Why is she also for any other man? agree with that this is a Dover Beinoi Levena. There's no machlekes here. They give it to Rabbi Yisi. Twist the Gemara says there's no proof. The Rabbanon see by Lech, but she knew two on him. Now Yehudim Rabbi Yisi katani l'adam Ravuna kula perkin Rabbi Yisi. He what I just read very quickly is a very important foundational yisait in our entire parak, the eleventh parak on the Darim, which is says the Gemara, the author of every Mishnah, and we just quoted a Mishnah to prove beinah beinah. The author of every Mishnah, our parak is Rabbi Yisi. We said, oh, the Chabim must hold. Since the Mishnah says that he can remove his chalak, but nobody else is, you see it's a dover b'nei The Gemara says that's Rabbi Yaisi's opinion. Our entire parak, every mission, our parak is the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi. And you know how I know this? Do you know how I know? Usually you'll say that every standard Mishnah is the Chacham, is the Rabbana, Tanakama. Why are we saying that the entire parak is the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi? So listen to this. If you turn back to Ayin Tesamud Beis, the first mission our Perak, the Perak started two, uh, three lines to the bottom of Ayin Tesamud Aleph. We're going to turn to Ayin Tesamud Beis. Look at the top of the Yomud. Omar Rabbi Yaisi. See that? And then it the, the goes through what's considered Inoy Nefesh. Look at the last 
words of the Mishnah. Six lines from the top. Divrei Rabbi Yaisi. This is very strange. On the top of the Yomod we said, Omar Rabbi Yaisi. And then at the end of his statement we're saying, Divrei Rabbi Yaisi. Why are you starting out his statement with the Omar Rabbi Yaisi and ending off with the Divrei Rabbi Yaisi? You see the last words of the Mishnah? Divrei Rabbi Yaisi. These are the words of Rabbi Yaisi. And it's one straight thing. It's not like anybody's in the way. It's all a statement. Why are you starting a statement of Rabbi Yaisi and ending with Divrei Rabbi Yaisi? Strange. So it says the Gemara like this. Let's look inside our Gemara. Let's turn back to Pei Beis Omer Aleph. Mimai, how do I know our whole parak is Rabbi Yaisi? From the following. Kivan Diktani, since we learned in the Mishnah, Rabbi Yaisi, Yaimar, Ein Elu Nidre Inu Nefesh, these are not considered Inu Nefesh. Lomali Sula Misareza Yafar Divrei Rabbi Yaisi. Why does the Mishnah end? That, oh, you're allowed to remove these Nidorim, these are the words of Rabbi Yaisi. You know why? Because Divrei Rabbi Yaisi at the end of the Mishnah is actually the preface of the rest of the parak. The Divrei Rabbi Yaisi at the end of the Mishnah is the words of Rabbi Yaisi, and now every Mishnah till the end of the parak is going to be Rabbi Yaisi's opinion. Hence, the Gemara says you have no proof as to what the Chachamim hold, as to what the Rabbanan hold, whether her refusal, her, her vow of marital relations is considered Beinah Beinah. You have no proof. You know why? Because it's Rabbi Yaisi's statement. And we know Rabbi Yaisi held that's Davar Beinah Beinah. So the bottom line is, we don't know. We had a question. What's the opinion of the Chachamim when she forbids the pleasure of relations on herself? Answer is, we don't know. Okay, period. End of that sugya. New sugya. New topic. Interesting topic. Amar Shmuel, Mishmei the lady. Shmuel says the name of lady. Called Darim Bal Mefer the Ishtai Chutz Min Hanaasi Al Plaini She'enoi Mefer. A husband is allowed to remove vows that have to do with self-infliction. Okay, unless she says that I'm forbidden to benefit from Pliny, from so and so, from a specific person. You know why? She'enoi Mefer. That he's not allowed to be that Mefer. He's not allowed to remove now. Why? Because she's saying, this guy can't benefit from me. She's not forbidding benefit on herself. She's forbidding other people to benefit from her. Okay. A husband can't remove that, t- that type of vow. Beseder. That's fine. But listen to this. Aval. But. Hanas pliny alai. Let's say she says, I cannot have pleasure. I cannot benefit from Yankel. Sarah, Rivka, Rachaleya, whoever, then he's permitted to remove the nether. That's considered Inoi Nefesh. By prohibiting benefit from another person, that's considered Inoi Nefesh. What is the major Chiddush here? This is, a, this is a new concept for us. I'll tell you why. Until now, what do we say is considered Inoi Nefesh? She says, I'm not going to eat any fruit. I'm not going to eat this. Over here, all she's saying is, I cannot benefit from Chaya, from Sarah, from Rivka, from Rachel. That's one person in her world. All right. So you won't benefit from that one person. Big deal. Says the Gemara, according to the Mishnah, hey, look at the concept. Even forbidding benefit from one other person, 
is considered affliction. Considered affliction. It's a very deep concept over here. It's a very deep idea. The Rabbi Shalom, we're all interconnected. We're all interconnected. You can't look at one person in Klal Yisrael and say, I'm connected with everybody else besides for you. You, nothing to do with you. No such thing. If you forbid yourself from one person, that's Inuy Nefesh. You're hurting yourself. You're separating yourself from another Yid. You're posh. Ah, it's just one person. It's 13 million other Jews in the world. No, no such thing. It's Inuy Nefesh. It's a beautiful concept. It says the Gemara, Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah. Peres Medina Zu Alai. If she says all the fruit is Osirami, Yovilam Dina Kharis. I'm sorry, from Medina Zu, from a specific country, from Peru. I'm not eating any oranges from Peru. It's not considered affliction because you can get that benefit from a different country. So Gemara is asking, the same way it's not considered affliction when she forbids one country, why is it not considered an affliction when she forbids, when she forbids one person? It should be okay. Because she says, I'm, I'm not allowed to have benefit from any sort of, of fruit that you, that you will bring to me. Okay. So the reason why it's not considered uh, Inui is because she could get it by herself. The issue is where she says the husband can't do it, that's where it's not considered Inui. But even if you, even if you forbid from an individual place, would be an issue. Why here is it not? Because she could always get it herself. Okay? Toshma, let's uh, uh, come and listen. Again, we're going to try to prove whether or not uh, Levi is correct that um, that uh, uh, if she says that I'm forbidding myself to benefit from a specific person, he's allowed to remove the nether. Toshma, come listen. Paris She says the fruits from this store are asarami from this makolat is asarami and He can't remove that vow because you can always buy it from a different store. You don't have to shop in a specific place. So you see. You cannot remove a valve when it's specific because you have other options. So too, when she says, I can't benefit from somebody, we should not allow the husband to remove the valve because she can still benefit from others. So she says, no. Also, where she says, I'm forbidding ones that you bring, since she can technically still be connected to that makolat by going and getting it herself. That's why not eating nefesh. But maybe in a chanami, if she wouldn't have any access, it would be eating nefesh and he could remove the valve. Okay, what happens if the if she says, What happens if their parnasa, meaning their food, only comes from that store? Okay, the only way they're gonna get the only way they're gonna get food is if it comes from this specific store. Then, if she says, I, "I'm you know I'm not allowing the benefit." He can remove the vow. If the case is where she says, you can't bring it. Why is he allowed to remove the vow? It's not considered nefesh. We know what he could say to her. Go get it yourself. Go get it yourself. From the fact that it's got to be where she doesn't, she's not telling the husband, oh, I'm only forbidding it if you bring. It must be in every case. She's forbidding it completely. And still we see he's not allowed to remove the vow. So it's a question on Levi, Shmuel quoting Levi. So it says the Gemara, 
Ella, rather, you know what the case is? The case of the Reisha is where he, the Allah is, he's not allowed to remove the vow, and that is true even um, even when the Kamaisi, uh, 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 the Kamaisi he, I said, law, I'm sorry. That's even going to be a case where she's able to go and get it by herself. And this Mishnah is the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi. As we explain, the entire Perek is the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi. Okay. Bottom line is, there's no question on Rav. I'm sorry, there's no question on Levi. We tried challenging Levi from a mission or a parak, and the Gemara is following the same theme that we said earlier. You're right, this Mishnah is not going to fall in line with the Amora Levi, but it doesn't matter, because every mission or a parak is the singular opinion of Rabbi Yaisi. And the Chamam argue, so all you, what are you going to prove from here? That the Mishnah doesn't follow Levi? Beseder. So Rabbi Yaisi's opinion, he's the Mishnah again in our parak. He doesn't follow Levi, but the Chamam maybe will agree. Bottom line is, going back, to the middle of Amr Aleph, when Shmuel said in the name of Levi, every neder a husband's able to remove, except when she, um, except when she says somebody else can't benefit from me. But if she says I can't benefit, he could remove the vow. That statement remains true. Period. End of that Gemara. We're now up to the last word on the third line of Pei Bay's Amud Bays. Here we go. This is a sugya that's going to take us to uh, well onto tomorrow's daf. So let's uh, let's get till Aceve. We're going to ask a uh, challenging question, uh, two lines for the bottom, and uh, that ch- that question is going to go for quite some time on to, on pay gimel and So we'll hold it by Aceve. Here we go. Amar Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel. Rabbi Yehuda says in the name of Shmuel. Nodra mishtei kikaris. It's such a fascinating case. A woman says, I'm making a nether. I will not eat these two loaves of bread. Is that considered self-affliction? Yeah. It's considered inu inafish, right? People need bread to eat. She looks at two loaves of bread and she says, I will not eat these loaves of bread. But now listen to this. One loaf of bread she doesn't like anyway. She doesn't like it anyway. There's one loaf that's regular flour, one loaf that's that's made out of bran, it's made out of whole wheat, it's made out of whatever, and she doesn't like that. So there's two loaves. She's, she says, ah, they're both awesome. Now one of them there's affliction and one there's not. Because she doesn't like it anyway. So here we go. The husband, how is he going to remove the vow? He's only allowed to remove a vow if there was inoy nefesh. What's unique about our situation is that only part of the vow, only one loaf of bread is considered affliction, and the other one is myridic. She's so excited that she can't eat it anymore because she hated that anyway. So here we go. Mitaych shehu mefer lemesana. Since we give him the rights to remove the vow on the bread that she likes, because that's an afflictive vow, may for the Kashayna Misana. You could remove the vow from both. Hence, 
If she ends up eating the loaf of bread that she doesn't even like, she hasn't transgressed her vow because it's been removed. I that one wasn't Enoi, it doesn't matter. Once you remove the bread that had Enoi, it removes both loaves because it was all one statement. Rav Asi says in the name of Rabbi Echinon, no, you split up the loaves. When he removes her vow on the two loaves, what happens is the neder on the loaf that she likes is gone. She's, she's allowed to eat that loaf now. And the bread that she didn't like in the first place, she cannot eat. Because the vow remains. The husband can only remove an afflictive vow. She didn't like it, so it's not an affliction. Hence, the vow remains on that loaf of bread. That is one way to uh, understand the machlekes. So first is, Rabbi Yehuda says the name is Shmuel. You, remove, you have two loaves of bread. She says both. The vow is gone on both. Ravasi quoting Rabbi Echelen says, not true. When you remove the vow, there's a major... You cite this over here. It's foundational. When you remove a vow, even if it's only part of the vow, that was an affliction, the, the, the only thing that could be removed is that part. Any part of the vow that's not an affliction cannot be removed. V'hikadamri, and there are those who learn it a little differently. Reb Asi's opinion, meaning, Ba'amine Reb Asi Ravasi asked a shayla, a question searching for information from Rabbi Yechanan. If a woman made a vow from two loaves of bread, now loaves of bread usually the husband could remove because she's afflicting herself. Except one loaf of bread she didn't like anyway. So the shayla is mahu. What's the halacha? When the husband says, oh, he hears her say, I'm removing all this bread. So he says, he's, he's made for the nether. He removes the vow. Ask Ravasi to Rabbi Echanan, what just happened? Is the vow removed on both loaves? Or is it only removed for the bread that was an affliction to her? The one that she liked. Answers the Gemara, Amar Leh, Rabbi Echanan said back to Ravasi, Mefer lemesana ve'en mefer l'shene mesana. Yutaka could split it up. He could be made for, he could remove the vow only on the loaf of bread that's considered inoy, the loaf of bread that's considered afflictive, and therefore she's allowed to eat the loaf of bread that she likes. However, the loaf of bread that she doesn't like, it's not an affliction. If, let's say, she changes her mind and now she's hungry and she decides to eat it, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a, a, end up being, it'll end up being a, uh, uh, the, the vow will remain in force and it's going to be usher to eat. Okay, that's Machlegusina Buda, Omar Shmuel, and Rav Asi quoting Rav Yechra Besam. Tomorrow we will pick up from Aisvei and challenge this Shita of Rav Yechanan. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, everybody. We'll see you at 9.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. Bez Hashem.